Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Sonia Corbett. She is a well-known Catholic podcaster, writer. Um, She will be in the Sioux Falls Diocese. She'll be at the Brandon Parish, Risen Savior Parish, at the end of October for a parish mission. So we asked her to come in and tell tell us about herself, what she does, what she's going to be talking about for the parish mission. Um, She's from the South, and you get that right away. She's got a great accent. She's a very uh, exuberant, former Southern Baptist, became a Catholic. Really good interview. So I hope you will stick around for that. Before we go over to Dr. B., Um, I want to remind everybody, you probably just got your Bishop's Bulletin in the last week or so. There is a survey that we are asking that all of our readers, even if you're not a reader, if you know someone who's Catholic and they maybe um, want to tell us what kind of stuff they want to know, uh, what kind of media they use, we'd love love it if you would take that uh, survey. There is a... um, a QR code, or you can go to sfcatholic.org slash Elise. Communications slash <laughs> She doesn't even survey. know. Just go on the Bishop's Bulletin and go on the QR code. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dr. And, B. And, and from what I understand, the first person who completes the survey no, gets $100. No, oh. no, no. Well, We've already had quite a few. Uh, so yeah, so keep them coming. We want to know what you think. Well, it's um, the first person already did it, so it doesn't matter if I said that. Because <laughs> right, the first right. Person, so. What what I'm really loving is we have on there. You know, do you listen to any of the podcasts? And we list our podcasts. Catholic Fuse is far and away the winner so far. I'm not kidding. Even like there's we have a lot of people that I listen to Catholic Fuse. Wow. I'm like, great. I have no idea where they're listening to it because it's not on YouTube. <laughs> it is on YouTube some, but it is. So how about some biblical bites with Dr. You B before we run it. out of time? That's right. Um, what Sunday are we at? Uh, it'd be the 27th, I believe. That is correct. So the gospel, uh, again, the context here, Matthew chapter 21. Um, Jesus. How many Sundays are there in ordinary time? You asked me this the other day. Do you remember, Elise? I didn't. Is it like... Yes, you did. No. Well... 38. It, it's 30 something. It's like 30, like seven, 38. Uh, you know, price is right. Closest Higher without going lower. over is the winner and you've both gone over. So I'm sorry. 34. Yes. That was, wow. That was a very it resolute. It did. It did. Yeah. So the 31st Sunday in ordinary time is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ King of the universe. Mm-hmm. We're at the 27th Sunday in ordinary Ooh, time. We're almost there. We are. So this is actually, so we're getting close again. We're reading Matthew's gospel in year A. Mm-hmm. Year B will start uh, with Advent mm-hmm. in December uh, that we mark. But Matthew, so we're getting the, the end of Matthew where we're reading the the what Jesus is saying after he's actually come into Jerusalem. So this is really what he's saying. Um, we think of it during Holy week. Okay, sure. Um, so it's kind of the setting and we've been hearing a lot of parables where Jesus is, and we've talked about them in previous episodes of biblical bites where Jesus is sort of really giving it to the chief priest, yeah. chi- the chief priests, the leaders, the scribes, the people. Yep. And this is another one. Um, and and the, the, it's another vineyard parable. And this is the one where the tenants of the vineyard decide to like beat, the, the the vineyard owner's servants and kill his son. And, you know, like in this case, um, when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. Yes, because the landowner, after I kill his son, will surely give me the inheritance. But there was actually some... In ancient Judea, the, the practice of the time, the tenants of the, the vineyard would have some legal oh. right if there was no heir. Oh, 
Wow. So, yeah, that was actually the case. But here's what I want to focus on. He, he's going to spend everything and sell it. <laughs> Maybe he is. Well, fine. <laughs> but what I want to focus on is at the end, um, so Jesus asks the leaders, what do you what do you think the, the owner of the vineyard would do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, he would put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone by the Lord has this been done and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. Mm. So like, yeah, they're going to stick it to him. But the thing, just real quickly, I want to focus on here. The stone that the builders predicted to become the cornerstone by the Lord has this been done. So the cornerstone, um, when they built structures in the ancient world, the importance of the cornerstone is that it holds both walls in place okay. and provides the support for that. And Jesus here is talking, of course, about himself because they reject him. But this is also in the context, Psalm 118, he's talking about the temple. They're standing in the temple and you have rejected me. I am the new temple. Good stuff, Dr. B. Thanks. You bet. With me in the studio, well, not in the studio. Gosh, I haven't done a Zoom interview in a while. <laughs> With me on Zoom today is Sonia Corbett. She is a uh, well-known Catholic speaker, podcaster, writer, um, who will be in our diocese here soon, this month yet. Right, Sonia? Yep. Yeah. A couple yeah. weeks. Yeah. So she is coming to uh, Risen Savior Parish in Brandon. And she will be uh, doing a mission or a parish mission there um, that is open to anyone. Uh, Father Young, Father Andrew Young at the at the parish made sure to get a hold of me. Let me know everyone's invited and hoped we could talk to Sonia to let her kind of get everybody a taste of what they might see there. So Sonia was kind enough to agree to come on Catholic Views and give us a little a little taste. So welcome, Sonia. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So um, I did not know anything about you, which is maybe may terrible. My bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> not at all. Um, so I looked, I Googled you. I looked at your website and you have a lot of great stuff there. Um, you have a podcast. What is the podcast called? It's called Sacred Healing 1230. Okay. I, I do... Basically, what I do is offer Bible study series yeah. that are topical. Right. So right. We, we treat um, relevant topics that are contemporary fear, anxiety, mm -hmm. healing, all those kinds of things from a scriptural point of view. Right. Um, you've written several books. Um, I was in our local Catholic store yesterday, um, The Mustard Seed, and um, I was looking at some books and I was like, hey, there's Sonia's books. <laughs> so I did pick one up. Picked up Unleashed, I believe it is, right? Unleashed is one of the first ones. Unleashed was my first book, yes. Yeah. So I grabbed that one, and I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, so, Sonia, if you would, would you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself um, so we can get to know you? All right. So I was basically born into the Southern Baptist Church. I'm down here from the South, in case anybody <laughs> can't tell already. So I'm from Tennessee, and I was born in California, actually. My dad was in the military, which is a big chunk of my story. He was military in two branches and then a highway patrolman. So if we knew anything at our house, it was the law <laughs> and what happens when you break the law. Um, and then I grew up in the Baptist church and 
got my early formation there in the scriptures, the stories, all of that. We didn't go all that often, but my mom always made sure that I had Bible study stories, um, story books. And so I grew up immersed in those and vacation Bible school and camp and all that kind of thing. And then when I married, uh, very young, actually, my husband and I, we moved a state away uh, pretty much to get away from some of the stuff my dad was doing and moved to Tennessee where my husband was from. And we joined a little Baptist church there and it felt like a family, but it split twice. And that was really the beginning of how I ended up in the Catholic church because my whole spiritual formation has been in the area of anger and rebellion. And so Ah. when I saw these two church splits, I recognized those for the rebellion that they were. And that sent me to Martin Luther and was reading his his writings, um, translated, of course, from the German, but in his own words. And I saw that that was nothing but a church split. And it was sort of a perfect storm that led me to start exploring the Catholic Church and just to see if I could tolerate what the church taught. And that led me in alone. I came in alone. Um, I had two children at that point. My oldest was about eight and my youngest was newborn. Mm-hmm. And my husband came in. Let's see. They were they were baptized when my my second was born. I just did a twofer <laughs> and baptized them both. And to my husband's great chagrin. And then five years later, he came in. So we're all Catholic now. We've been I've been in the church now 17 years and I got busy pretty quickly. Um, my, my pastor made me the religious education director of our parish the same year I came in, which caused a big uproar in the parish. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> it's a mess. So, but the Catholic church, I mean, the sacraments, particularly the greatest gift God ever gave me besides my husband and my kids. And so we've been in the church for quite some time. And I, I as, as the religious education director, I could see that my gifts were needed. And mm-hmm. so I got busy pretty quickly writing adult Bible studies and offering adult Bible studies, even in that capacity. And then I just pretty much segued into my own ministry and it just took off. So here I Beautiful. am. Yeah. Um, I have a question about, so you said there was, it split twice. Is that very common in, so I'm, we're, we're not super familiar with Baptists up here. We have some, but that's not the predominant, uh, Protestant faiths up here. Is that fairly common down there for that to happen? Yes. It's common in Protestantism period sure. because yeah. Protestantism is built on the protest idea. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was really the, the first First split, I wasn't that involved in. I mm-hmm. didn't know the parties involved. I knew what was happening because I was in leadership. My husband was too. And so we knew kind of what was happening, but I wasn't personally invested. I didn't know the pastor very well. So I just kind of observed from afar and God pretty much told me through my my daily readings in the scriptures to keep my mouth shut. No gossip. <laughs> and that was about the, the extent of what I learned in that, except, you know, I already knew that to rebel against legitimate authority, which I considered our pastor to be legitimate at that time, sure, uh, was wrong. And so I just sort of watched that happen 
But five years later, we had a new pastor who, whom I did love dearly. He, he affirmed me and my gifts and he, he was like a father to me in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. And so when I saw that happen again, I just, I thought, "Mm, there is something really wrong at the foundation of how operate in the Protestant church. So really looking, but yeah, it's very common. In fact, in our denomination, I was in leadership in our denomination and it was an epidemic even then. So it happens, you know, you get, you get a personality conflict and half the church, they, everyone takes a side and half the church leaves to go start another church down the road. And it just, it perpetuates itself. It's a mess. Right. Right. Um, and you really, uh, from what I read from your story, and I think I watched, I watched one of your, it was a podcast video, uh, basically telling your story. You read your way into the Catholic church. Is that right? I did. I read, I read the catechism, I read, but I did it surreptitiously. I, I didn't want anybody to know because I was about <laughs> to be published. My first Bible study was about to be published. So I didn't want anybody to know but I read the catechism. I started at the very beginning of the Anti-Nicene Fathers. I read so much apologetics material, Scott Hahn, mm-hmm. Steve Rowe. I mean, you name it. <clears throat> so yeah, I did. I, I I sort of, I had, because my gifts, my spiritual gifts lie in the the teaching and the prophecy areas and, and wisdom areas. I have to, I had to have the truth of it yeah. in order to, to know if I could, like I said, if I could tolerate what the church taught and if it was biblical. And of course, you know, that takes a little bit of time, but I was in, I was intellectually, I was in within a year. Sure. So then were there, was there a person or people, Catholics that influence, helped influence that after you'd done all that reading or did you, how did that happen after that? Well, there was a young woman in my Sunday school class at the time who came into the Catholic church and invited me to her Easter vigil uh-huh. And I felt sorry for her the whole time. I mean, I just thought this, this, what is she doing? You know, and it was so bizarre, the whole mass, everything. There were some things about it that were very compelling for me, but sure. I, I was in no way, shape or form in the slightest bit open to it at that time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned, the church splits really were the funnel. So if I had to to pinpoint one particular person, it would have, it would be Martin Luther. He's the one who brought me in. When I was reading his his writings in his own words and his own language, I thought, oh my gosh, why is Protestantism built on this, this man who is, he's not holy. Right. He calls the Pope an ass, which, you know, I, we all have opinions about our popes, you know, but <laughs> to, to do so publicly. And it was just, it was clear to me that it was a rebellion. And no reformation whatsoever. And so, so much of that was, it just sucked me right in, honestly, because of my own formation. And God had corrected me so many times for the very same thing. And so I knew it to be the sin that it was. So if I had to credit anyone, it would be him probably. Sure, sure. All right. Um, One of the other things I noticed about you, Sonia, is you have a really close relationship with Mary. Now, sometimes that's really difficult for people coming from the Protestant side. So can you tell us a bit about that and how it came about? Well, it's funny to me now. I'm, I, I love that, that you can see that about me because it it was so difficult 
in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a penance service with my bishop. He, he came to our parish and he was one of the confessors during a, a penance service. And I went to him and I confessed my sins, you know, and he looked at me and he said, the measure of your Catholicism is the measure of your relationship to Mary. Now I have a father, <laughs> this father, you know, he, he bypasses my whole confession and he, he lays out this, what felt like a gauntlet. It felt almost like a correction, you know, like I'm not Catholic mm-hmm. enough. And the, and the things that I went through to come into the Catholic church, it, it was, I was offended. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I left irritated about that, but it stuck. And I thought, you know, I didn't go through all I went through to come into the Catholic church to be called a half a Catholic. So (laughs) all I knew to do was to go to her because I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with her. I didn't think I needed one. I didn't think it was necessary. And, and it was very, very difficult. That whole idea, I, I had it all in my head. I got the head part of it, but I just didn't, I didn't see a need for a relationship with her, but that really stuck. And so all I knew to do my style is to just ask the questions directly. So I just asked her, I said, what do you, Mary, want me, Sonia, to know about you? And what she shared with me was so sweet and so tender and so subtle. The The first thing that she connected with me over was the scriptures. And she she basically told me, nobody loves the word the way I do. Right. I thought, oh my gosh, you're right. Because <laughs> the word became incarnate in her, <laughs> you know mm-hmm, I mean? No, absolutely. But she, she was reaching out to me and trying to connect with me in the one place besides my motherhood and, and being a wife that meant the most to me. And that is in the scriptures. And so she basically said to me, we share this. Mm-hmm. And it just was the sweetest thing. The other thing came to her her sharing with me came through a study of her Magnificat and she sort of showed me how each of us is a Magnificat little M. You mm-hmm. know, we, we attribute to her that she prays, prayed the Magnificat or that she prayed it back to God, you know, but Mary is the Magnificat, you know, capital M. And so what I, what I sensed was that she was inviting me into this understanding that each of us as her children are also Magnificat, little M. And and all that requires is that we be everything God made us to be minus the sin. And that's what made her who she is. You know, God looked, we we get this idea that, that God looked through salvation history and was searching for a woman who was good enough to be his mother, but there weren't any. There wasn't. <laughs> There wasn't one in the present. There wasn't one in the future. So he made her. Mm -hmm. He made her for that purpose. And she became everything that God wanted her and made her to be simply by being that without the sin. And so that was the second thing that she shared with me. And it was so subtle and so tender. She she truly. Yeah, I, I. it totally opened my eyes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Relationship with her now, but, but it was hard. It, it was hard to kind of adjust. Sure. Sure. To that whole idea. Yeah. And I did, I did see you have a book on that actually. Uh, what is that one called? Exalted. Exalted. Yes. I saw that one in the bookstore too. And I was like, gosh, which one do I start with? <laughs> 
So I chose Unleashed. So, so <laughs> Magnificat, line by line. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a good one. Um, okay, so there are a couple other things. Um, and I want to make sure we tell people what you're going to be talking about at the parish mission and so on before we get done. But um, you have a prayer method that you have talked about uh, called Love, L-O-V-E. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? And and I, I imagine, are you going to be talking about that at the parish mission? Well, I'll weave it in, but it's not going to be the topic. But okay. because how, how, so that method is Mary's own method. Okay. No one loves the word the way Mary loves the word. And she showed me through the joyful mysteries of the rosary, how that works. So mm-hmm. L is listen. She listens to the word of God through the angel Gabriel. She observes her circumstances. O, O is observed. She observes her circumstances and she knows how that word of God applies to her relationships and her circumstances. Then she v verbalizes everything that she believes that she's heard from God back to him through the Magnificat. V mm-hmm. is verbalized. And then E is in trust. May it be done to me according to your word. Mm-hmm. So we think of prayer as like saying stuff to God. But what she showed <laughs> me was she listens first. She's listening because it is her daily practice. And so we listen to the word of God through the daily readings. We observe our relationships and circumstances. We verbalize back to him what we believe we're hearing, and then we entrust it to him. And that encompasses every single one of our daily activities, all of our relationships, all of our self-medicating circumstances. Everything that has to do with us is covered in the daily readings on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. so she invited me to, to sort of share that with other people as a, it's, it's basically like show Divina, right. But it's, it's in a, a very simplified process and simplified method, L-O-V-E. Nothing is more simple than love. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I read a little bit about that process. I believe it was on your website and I was like, gosh, that that's really actually really helpful for especially Catholics, because sometimes we, uh, cradle Catholics, we tend to, and I, I'm act very much this way, partly because uh, I can't remember prayers, <laughs> but take out the book, read the prayer, you know, and now I've prayed, but there's so much more that can be done in prayer. So I really love that method. Be done. And that, that sort yes. of is a segue into what I'll be sharing because yeah. it, the scriptures that, that led me, first of all, through my own formation process and the healing of my father wound, the very first scripture God ever applied to me personally was <laughs> Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to his vomit. So a fool repeats his folly. And that was from my daily scripture reading. That was a habit that I, I began really, really early in my Christian life, my, my mm-hmm. relationship with God based on a desperation, which was I have this anger issue and I don't know where it comes from and I can't control it. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to raise my child in the ways that I was raised that were so destructive. And I don't want to do that. And so it's the word of God that has healed or is healing. I shouldn't say completely healed, but, but the anger issue is gone. Mm -hmm. And that took place over decades but it was a daily process in the scriptures in which God still heals his people. He mm-hmm. uses his word to heal his people. 
in their thoughts, in their emotions, in their bodies, and in their souls. And that is the promise that he makes us in the scriptures. And he shows us the way that he does that through the exodus Mm -hmm. and the deprivations that they encountered in the desert. And we, we see this life as some sort of, you know, like it's, it's an eternal suffering, right? But it's not meant to be. The desert is meant to be temporary. We're we're to be formed in faith in a particular kind of way and a way to follow him through the desert so that we make it to the promised land, the Sabbath rest, the Sabbath inner, the inner Sabbath rest in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our bodies, and our in our souls. Jesus told us in Mark 1230, which is what my ministry is main, named for, sacred healing 1230, Mark 1230. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. But he doesn't tell us how, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because not in that verse. <laughs> right. The goal is mm-hmm. we have to be loved in our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength, so that we can in turn love him in that way. And that's what the whole the whole valley of tears is about. And that's what we'll be talking about in the mission is how... Okay. The ways that God heals us through the desert deprivations in our fearful, anxious thoughts, our painful emotions, our physical symptoms, all of those together are also spiritual and Mm -hmm. how he heals us in each of those areas so that we can be fully alive, so that we can fully love him and fully love our neighbor. Yeah. So that's a process. It's basically purgatory, but it's meant to happen here. Right, right, right. Um, this sounds like it's going to be a really good parish mission. I know that. Okay. So the parish mission is October 23rd through the 27th from 7 PM to 8 PM. Don't have to register ahead. Um, it's at risen savior parish in Brandon. Um, I've been told that youth and adults are especially encouraged to attend the Wednesday evening, uh, session because that is on anxiety. And I don't, I don't know anybody with anxiety right now. So I don't really, I, it'll probably be empty, right? <laughs> it's rampant. It, it really is, especially among our youth. So, yeah. Um, but God, you know, in that. every single mass, Jesus says, my peace, I leave you, my peace, I give you. So we already have it. We just have to learn how to guard it and, and how to understand it so that mm-hmm. we don't let the enemy steal it. Yeah, right, right. Because that is, he does that very well. So, Sonia, thank you. know better. Yeah, that is very true. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. I hope that lots of people outside of the Brandon Parish will consider going to the, to the parish mission. They are ready and excited to welcome anyone who wants to come. Uh, sounds like a, a really good um, healing time, learning time. And um, I'm going to talk to my husband and see if we'll, uh, maybe he won't go with me. I'll just find a friend. (laughs) Well, I would, I I personally invite everyone to come because we're going to talk about how, how God uses the scriptures on a daily basis in those ways. And so we can learn to incorporate scripture into our daily lives the way our lady wants us to. She wants us to love the word with her. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. My privilege. Thank you. You bet. Uh, So again, that parish mission is October 23rd to the 25th, each evening from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. So uh, please join Risen Savior Parish and Father Andrew Young in those evenings. 
That is it for us today. Yes, and Sonia, <laughs> that's it for us today. Hope you join us again next week for more Catholic Views.